0: Hello, welcome back to my channel Christian Faith and Fiction, my name's Lou, and I've been reading through A Horse and His Boy by C.S. Lewis, which is chronologically the third book in the Chronicles of Narnia, and I've been keeping a reading vlog of my thoughts and how it compares to Bible text and the Christian faith, um, so I hope you get something interesting from this video. So just to warn you that this video is going to contain a lot of spoilers for the story, so if you haven't read the book yet, I highly recommend you go ahead and do that first before continuing to watch this video. So I've started reading The Horse and His Boy by C.S. Lewis, and this story follows Shasta, who is um, the son of a fisherman, or who thinks he is the son of a fisherman. He finds out when a um, a Tarkhan comes, Turkans are a bit like aristocrats, I guess, in their society. Uh, he's in Kalomine, which is to the south of Narnia, and he finds out that he is not actually the true son of his, who he thought was his father. He was actually adopted, and he's going to be, he finds out he's about to be sold into slavery to the Turkans, and he discovers that the Turkans' horse is talking horse from Narnia and they decide to escape together up to to um, go to north to Narnia. Really this story is about the journey of Shasta from slavery into sonship and it really speaks to me about the journey of faith of how um, we begin our journeys in that position of slavery to sin and then we end up in that place of sonship with God. Um, it's about the mental shift between being a slave and being in the, a foreign land and moving into the kingdom of God and how you that changes the way you think about yourself. And it also reflects the story of the exodus and how the Israelites left slavery in um, egypt and went into the promised land but had you know all that time in the desert where they were still thinking like slaves and not like um sons of the kingdom as it were Bree the talking horse is a bit like an evangelist in this story he um speaks to shasta and tells him all about narnia and what it's like and he's always saying you know let's go to narnia in the north let's go there and he's encouraging Shasta to not think like a Kalameen anymore and to think like a Narnian say, we are free Narnians, not Kalameens. Um, we don't need to pay respect to the Kalameen gods. We don't need to speak in a way that worships their rulers and their gods anymore. We are now free, even though we're living in the land of slavery. And as they are escaping, a lion comes and chases them and um pushes them together with another person who is also escaping it turns out. Her name is Aravis and she is escaping with a talking horse called Huynh and you get to hear her story and she is um, escaping from an arranged marriage from a dangerous stepmother who just wants to get rid of her. And Aravis is suicidal at the point when Huynh comes and talks to her and she finds out that there are talking horses and encourages her to escape rather than to kill herself. And once again, I see this as like um, and someone coming alongside a non-Christian and saying, look, there is hope. You don't need to destroy your life. You can find hope in Jesus and um, in this case in Aslan and come with me to the kingdom, come with me to Narnia. So Aravis is saved from that destruction and she escapes as well and um, the lion comes and pushes them together so that they form a community together and that speaks to me of how um, God takes individuals and saves them and then brings them together into community in the church so that we are traveling together as a unit um, through life so moving on to the next part in the story and um, the two horses and the two children I've got to try and get across the capital city, Tashban, um, in order to go, escape and get to Narnia. Whilst they're in the city, Shasta is taken and he is mistaken for Prince Corinne of Arkenland and taken with the Narnians and Aravis is recognised by one of her old friends and she has to go off with her. The only way that Aravis can escape is to get through the, uh, the palace of the Tisrock and they get stuck in a room with the Tisrock and overhear his plans, um, his son's plans, Rabadash, to go and um, attack Arkenland and take it so that he can get back Queen Susan, who he wants to marry. Shasta overhears the Narnian's good plans and Aravis overhears the enemies. Bad plans and both those informations are needed for them to um, get over the desert and warn uh, King Loon of Arkenland. Shasta still sees himself as a slave, even though he's mistaken for a prince. This part reminded me of um, the verse in John 15, verse 15 I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. God wants to reveal his plans to us as his friends. He doesn't see us as his servants. And um, just as Shasta overheard by accident the plans, actually God wants us to be friends with him and to be a part of his conversation. Shasta at this point doesn't really understand his true identity, he still sees himself as a slave and as a son of Arshis, um, oh, a fisherman, he doesn't understand what we are going to find out later in the story, that he is actually a prince and um, a son of the king. Do we see ourselves as children of the king or do we still see ourselves as slaves to sin and our old lives? This is contrasted with the way that the Tisroch and his son have their meeting. They keep it completely secret. They don't want anybody to listen in. Um, The advisor that they have with them is groveling on the floor the whole time and is sworn to secrecy. And this is not the way that God works. He doesn't want us to be cowering on the floor in fear of him, but he treats us as friends. In Genesis 18, God says to Abraham, shall I hide from him what I'm about to do? And he ends up having a conversation with Abraham about how he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham bargains for Lot's life. And in effect, he says, "Um, if you find so many righteous people in that city, will you spare it? And God says, yes. God wants us to be like a friend involved in the conversation. Um, just as all the Narnians were involved in the conversation with the king and not like the Tisruk, um cowering on the floor and afraid to um, say what you think in case God uh, strikes you down. That's not how our relationship with God is meant to be. So they, the children use the information that they've gathered in order to... Um, Find out what the plans of the enemy is going to be and how to uh, how to get across the desert, and they flee across the desert, and uh, just speaks to me how God wants to reveal to us both um, what the enemy is intending to do and how we can counteract it. Whilst Shasta's waiting for the others to come across Tashban, he has to stay at the tombs, and while he's there, he is protected by a cat from the wild animals and um, later on we'll find out who the cat is and finally their flight across the desert really reminds me of the um, exodus and how uh, the Israelites left Egypt behind and then they had to travel for ages across the desert to get to the promised land and in the final chapters of A Horse and His Boy Shasta makes it to Narnia and he manages to warn the Narnians and they come in, join in the battle and Shasta meets up with Corrin again and he persuades him that he should be fighting in the battle with him and all the soldiers but um, Shasta is not particularly wanting to do that but he has to take on his new identity and um, decides that if he doesn't fight in this battle he'll run away from everything Um, and so he has changed um, completely from being a slave who everybody puts upon and who is a victim to a victor or at least one of the victors in the fight um, for Anvard and obviously they win that fight. After the battle King Loon comes and gives a hug to uh, Shasta and Shasta learns that he is actually the son of King Loon and he is actually the heir to the kingdom there and he basically comes to learn his identity that he is the son of the king and that he is a prince and that he will one day be the ruler there and this all speaks to me of how as a Christian we make this this um, journey from being a slave to sin and thinking of ourselves as slaves, even when we've come out um, and been rescued from um, sin, even when we've become a Christian, we still carry this mentality of being a slave um, to God or even to sin still. And God wants to set us free and help us to understand that we are sons and daughters of the King and that we have an inheritance in him, that we can come and be embraced by the King of Kings and he claims us as his children and that's such a fantastic thing to get your head around and that's one of the reasons I love this book because it just speaks so much of that message of slavery to sonship and I definitely recommend this one. It does seem dated at times but it's still um, a fantastic story and I still got a lot from it even though I've read it many many times. So have you read this book? If you have, let me know down in the comments what you um, thought of the book as a a fiction book. And also if you've got anything from it spiritually, I'd love to know that too. Thank you to everyone who's liked, shared, commented or um, subscribed to my channel. I really appreciate that. I hope you have a really great reading week and I'll see you again. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Christian Faith and Fiction podcast. If you would like more information, you can click the link in the description. Don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app to make sure you catch the next episode.